I prayed a lot about this presentation and throughout that prayer, I felt a lot of times that I was doing my talk and my will and I looked at an image of the Virgin Mary and I felt like Mary was saying, whose talk is this? I said, mine. She's like, wrong. It's my talk. I want you to say what I've been putting in your heart. So that's what the fruit of this is prayer. We are living in an absolutely critical time in human history. We are at a turning point which is going to decide what happens for the future of the church, the future of the United States for decades to come. Things do look like they're getting better on many fronts. Liturgically, the things that are happening liturgically today would not have happened 20 years ago. Ad Orientum in churches like this would not have happened. Extraordinary form of the Mass would not have happened. But we should not get too excited and think that things are going too well for us. Many people, myself included, believe Pope Leo XIII had this vision that Satan would have a hundred years. Many people believe the reign of Satan, that hundred years, is coming to an end. And I also want to believe this, and there are good signs, even the corruption in the church that is being exposed, that's a good sign that light is being put on these dirty, ugly, dark places in the church. But I really do believe that in his last hundred years, what do snakes do? They lay eggs, and they're ready to hatch at any moment. We're at a turning point. What's going to happen in the church? Are all the abuses going to get covered over? Are bishops who have a sexual agenda that's contrary to the gospel of Jesus Christ going to continue to be ordained? Are our religious liberties going to be removed? I work with high school youth, and they're getting worse. Their eyes are getting darker. We're living in a time where the youth have been exposed to pornography from the age of as early as nine years old. The majority of kids who go to school are in public schools. They're being indoctrinated with ideologies that are anti-life, that are not sympathetic to religious belief, that believe that our religion is foolishness, that we believe that there's some old man in the sky. When I was in high school in 2001, even though I wasn't religious at the time, most of the people in the class believed that abortion was wrong. Now, a high schooler cannot say that they believe abortion is wrong for fear of retribution from their classmates. So although it might look like things are a little bit brighter now, it might look like that we've gotten a few more years, soon we're going to be outnumbered, unless there's a change. Soon it's going to be so that to teach your children that natural marriage is holy and right and just and same-sex actions are disordered is going to be hate speech. I promise you that's going to happen. There's no tolerance for our intolerant language unless something changes. So is there an opportunity for great darkness to happen? Yes. Is there an opportunity for great good to happen? Yes. And that great good is going to come because of the co-redemption of Mary, the salvation of Jesus on the cross. So this talk is about evangelization. We have to do something. Mary is the star of evangelization. Co-redemption leads to Mary's evangelization today. She loved Jesus more than any other person, naturally speaking, because she's his mother. Also, theologically, because she was immaculate, she had the ability to love God more than anybody else. She had the ability to suffer more than any other person who's ever lived Except for Jesus, of course. Some saints have even said that she suffered more than everybody else combined. 
She wants salvation. She wants Jesus' mission more than anybody else. She, she thinks of souls every single day. And as long as there are souls alive, the co-redemption will not end. And I personally believe, as Father mentioned several times, that co-redemption and Marian consecration go hand in hand. And throughout history, Mary has given us various tools for evangelization, which we're going to discuss today, and I'm going to give you tips on how to use them. Tools for evangelization that are also tools for consecration. So there are very many degrees of consecration. The word Marian consecration in the modern era has become very muddled. So I could say to, of Marian consecration, do you want Mary as your mother? Yeah, that's, a, that's the very basic, the bare minimum of Marian consecration is at the foot of the cross, behold your mother. The very minimum that we can get a person to do as far as Marian consecration is to say, do you accept Mary as your mother? Will you go to her as your mother? Now, moving along the line on this spectrum, and I'm going to be talking about this more as we go on, I just want you to get a reference point. Then we go to a desire to give everything to Mary, but there's still self-interest involved. So we've heard of, we give all of our merits to Mary, like kind of like she's going to be our investor, and I'm giving my merits to Mary, and she's going to get me a good return on my investment. I'm going to give her $100 because of her purity of intention, because of the quality of her prayer, because of the quantity of her prayer. I'm going to get a good investment. And it's, if I'm wise, I'll give my prayers to Mary. I'll give my sacrifices to Mary. But that's still self-interested. So the, at the far end of the spectrum is total consecration, holy slavery. And if I was going to speak on this same language of as an investor, it would be me giving everything to Mary, all of my merits, all of my prayers, all of my sacrifices, all of my time. And instead of asking for anything in return, I'm saying, do with what you will with all of these returns that I'm getting. I don't care. Use me as you wish. I am nothing. Jesus is everything. I'm already dead. So we're on this spectrum. And throughout history, Mary has given us sacramentals and devotions. And there are very many good devotions. I'm not going to get into all of them. A few that I like that I wish I could talk about, but I'm not going to, are the three Hail Mary's devotion, made extraordinarily popular by St. Alphonsus Liguori for uh, the help to avoid mortal sin and the grace of final perseverance. That might seem like a little, but if you can convince a person to do this, and they're praying at least three Hail Marys for their salvation and for mortal sin every single day of their life, that adds up to thousands and thousands of Hail Marys that at the hour of my death are going to come raining grace upon me. So again, Mary is concerned with co-redemption. She's concerned with salvation. Every devotion that she's inspired, every sacramental that she's given has had as its end the salvation of men for the joy, the, the satisfaction of eternal life so that her son's death was not in vain for so many people. Another devotion I really love that we're not going to really get into is the seven sorrows of Mary, whether that be through praying the entire chaplet or whether that be only praying the seven Hail Marys. I personally do this every morning. If you're on the road to completely offering yourself to Mary, I think you should pray the seven sorrows every morning because that reminds you of the various elements of Mary's sorrow. That reminds you that every morning you're called to give your life, even when it hurts, for the sake of the kingdom of God. And so that minimum devotion of seven Hail Marys in the morning, one in honor of each of her sorrows, will bear tremendous fruit. 
And there's many promises and blessings associated with all of these devotions. The one that I want to encourage you the most right now, first and foremost, the easiest of all the Marian devotions is the brown scapular. In 1251, the Blessed Mother appeared to Saint Simon and told him that those who wear this garment, they won't suffer eternal fire. A lot of times this is given to children for good reason. It's an opportunity for catechesis on what? On consecration. This is also good for teenagers. I'll talk about later about St. Louis de Montfort, but St. Louis de Montfort says before you can ask a person to convert, before you can ask them to confess these great sins that they're struggling with, they must first have a love for prayer. And this is the absolute easiest prayer that they can do. All you do is you put this piece of cloth over your shoulders, wear it underneath your clothes. Nobody sees it. You leave this room, you get hit by a car. You go to your judgment. The Lord says, well, thank goodness Gabriel gave you so many scapulars and you put it on, right? And then he'll say, no, I didn't. What? What's wrong with you? I gave you so many opportunities. And what I find helpful is to give an accurate catechesis on hell. So that if you're a catechist, if you're a teacher, if you're a priest, if you're whoever you are, you can say, this is what the church believes about hell. I will generally explain the physical torments because those are the ones that we can relate to the most. Imagine if you were on fire, even for one second. Oh, wow, I could probably last for one second. Okay, imagine you're on fire for a week. Imagine two weeks. Imagine your skin's being peeled off. Imagine there's uh, arrows being put into your eyes. Imagine all this torment, terrible things. All, of just a, not even a fraction of what hell is going to be like. And all the Blessed Mother is asking you to do is say, will you be my mother? Will you watch over me? Will you take care of me? That's all you have to do is put this on as a sign of that. Then it's important that we emphasize that this is not magic, this is not voodoo, that according to Pope Pius XII, this is a sign of our consecration. And then so you explain to them, what does that mean? That I, just, I just want Mary to be your mother. Do you not want Mary to help you, to watch over you, to teach you, to take care of you, just like she did to Jesus? So that's what we need every Every, every person we come in contact with should be wearing a brown scapular. Because think about it. These relatives, these kids, they're your kids. They're your brothers and sisters. They're your in-laws. And all you have to do is introduce to them the scapular. That is the beginning of the road to Marian consecration. I, I know because it worked in my own life. I grew up not going to church. I went to college. Somebody gave me a scapular and I put it on. I didn't know what it was. And even then, I could see the hand of Mary working in my life. Does it mean that she's going to upend rules about getting into heaven and mortal sin and venial sin? No, it's an act of faith to wear the scapular. Wearing the scapular is, in my opinion, the physical manifestation of the Hail Mary. I'm wearing this because why? Because of Mary's role. I'm at, and when I pray the Hail Mary, I say, pray for me now and at the hour of my death. I'm wearing this because it's making me think of the hour of my death. And slowly, she begins to convert us. So Mary is very smart. She's a good mother. She knows how to get us to take our medicine. Out of fear of hell, even if they're not religious, you can tell your cousin, maybe they're in the military, hey, I know you don't believe in God. Please, what if you're wrong? Just wear this little cloth. And slowly, what's going to happen? Mary's going to start to work. It's hidden. It's underneath the clothes. It worked on me, and I was a big sinner. It's going to work on everybody else. We're all made the same. We all have the same heart that longs for God. Mary loves every single one of us. Sometimes people will say, they must be enrolled. Stop promoting the scapular without enrollment. I agree. Everybody should be enrolled in the brown scapular. But if there's no priest present, what's better? No scapular on that teenager's shoulders or a scapular on that teenager's shoulders with or without enrollment? 
when there's an opportunity for enrollment, get enrolled. There are several times where I've seen miracles because I carry scapulars with me. One time I was in Rome at a restaurant and a man had a stroke. And so to my surprise, people were just walking over him, waiting for the ambulance to come. I had carried two scapulars with me at all times. I put the scapular over his shoulders. I put it on his chest and I let him, I let him be. I let the professionals do their work. When they were carrying him out on a stretcher, I saw him with his hand on the scapular, holding it, clutching it. I don't know his religion. You know, many people in Rome are not religious. If he lived and he woke up and he sees what is this brown thing on my, on my body and he's clutching it, who's he going to give credit to for his life? The Virgin Mary. We have to give her opportunities to work in people's hearts. I can get 50 of these for $20. 50, $20. That's very little victimhood. We're going to talk about victimhood towards the end of this talk. If there's going to be salvation, there's got to be a sacrifice. If you're going to buy scapulars, it's going to cost money. But isn't it worth $20? That's like going out and getting a, a salmon at a restaurant. You know where that salmon's going to end up after you eat it. After a few hours, it's going to be in the toilet. These scapulars, the same $20 that you're spending, are going to be very good for their salvation. And anything you spend, even you say, oh, I gave it to them and they just threw it in the trash. They wasted it. They didn't waste it. You still get the merit from that. Jesus suffered and died on the cross, and he sees many people not taking advantage of that. Was Jesus' act of suffering on the cross a waste? Not at all. I promise you, now more than ever, although this was revealed in 1251, now more than ever, this is Mary's hour. This is her time for victory. This is her time to win. All we have to do is do her way. She's the best evangelist. We can go and we can have the most eloquent talks, and I'm going to forget about it. You can be like, oh, I talked to my cousin and I really think he came around. In a heartbeat, in an instant, you can forget about it. We are only as holy as our habits. If they have the habit of wearing the brown scapular, that is the soul that you've saved. You might say, well, I'm just a grandma. I don't have, I don't teach CCE. Do you have $20? You can call your parish priest and say, Father, I will spend $100 to get so many scapulars. Will you please do an enrollment? You can do that. Anybody can do that. If I'm poor, a high school youth minister, and I can do that, you can do that. And if you don't do that, the world's not going to change. We need your active participation. We need it. You have no excuse. Buy as many scapulars as possible and distribute them far and wide. I've given them to kids in 7th and 8th grade, and then I will see them when they're in high school, and they will come out, and I will see a ratty-tatty scapular. And I'll say, praise the Lord. There's nothing more than I love seeing than a ratty-tatty scapular on a teenager because that means they're a child of Mary. St. Alphonsus Liguori said that no child of Mary shall ever be lost. It's impossible, because if you are a child of Mary, you are one with Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ is the definition of salvation, is heaven itself. Mary in consecration through the scapular. Mary's ways are the best ways. It's very simple. We just have to do it. The time is now. Jesus changed the world with sacrifice. Mary changed the world with sacrifice. There's a reason why victimhood, being a victim, also has the title victory. Because it is in our victimhood, in our sacrifice, in our suffering, that we will have victory. Mary is going to win one way or another. I don't want to see hundreds of thousands of our relatives and friends burning in hell for all of eternity because we didn't want to spend 20 bucks and get them a scapular. The next sacramental that we'll mention, Father Elias also mentioned a lot about, is the miraculous medal. Now, this is a big miraculous medal. If you don't, you're not familiar with it, the promise was 
to St. Catherine that those who wore the miraculous medal would get many graces, especially if they wore it around the neck. I add to that, wear it with confidence, wear it with great faith. I wear big medals, and I encourage you to wear big medals. So the first catechesis we can give on the brown scapular was about hell, about Mary, about her role as mother. The second catechesis we can give based on this, and it's in the next level of consecration, because this is actually a tool for evangelization. What do I mean? When you're wearing a medal like like mine, like Father's, when you're wearing the medal outwardly and it's semi-big, what are you doing? I set this thing and I forget it. Sometimes I forget that I'm wearing it, but you know who doesn't forget it? Every single person I come across. When I'm at the airport, what am I doing? Bringing the Virgin Mary to every single person that comes across me. They can be an atheist. They can be contemplating suicide. They can be ready to go home and take their own life. And then I, not even realizing it, help them pick up the cell phone that they dropped. We meet eyes. They see this thing on my chest. Mary makes some sort of action in their heart. And what happens? They think it's a sign from God. And I didn't even realize it. So many times I'm getting my hair cut. I'm going to the grocery store and people are saying, Oh, I love your medal. I love your medallion. What is that? Well, that why that's the Virgin Mary, the mother of Jesus. Your mother and mine. One time I was in Brazil for World Youth Day and I was supposed to give a presentation. I'm not going to give the entire story. But I was working on the laptop in the hotel lobby. And I had my cell phone to the left. My laptop was right in front of me. I just finished my presentation. Somebody grabs my cell phone. Me looking to see what the heck was going on. I turned my head and there was a gun at my head. I didn't know it. I didn't see it. So I was trying to move the gun. Little did I know this started a wrestling match for a gun. I should have died. I really believe I should have died. I'm on borrowed time right now. I noticed while we were fighting over the gun, he should have shot me. I noticed his eyes looked down. Immediately when I noticed that, I felt an interior like, just let go. And I put my head on the ground. I said the St. Benedict uh, exorcism prayer in Latin, and then I began singing the Ave Maria because I really was waiting for a bullet to go through my chest. And he didn't shoot me. And I really believe it was because of the miraculous medal. Maybe it was because his mother had one. Maybe it was because his grandmother had one. Maybe, I don't know what it was, but great graces are given to those who wear the miraculous medal. For me, it's like this is the next level of consecration because now it's taking this from my motherhood to now I'm starting to bring Mary to other people. It's a little bit heavier. It's a little bit harder than wearing the brown scapular hidden. Sometimes wearing this medal is very heavy. Sometimes you walk into a situation where all of your family is Protestant and they're all looking at you and they think, yeah, we, we thought those Catholics worshiped Mary and sure enough, here he comes. <laughs> the greatest of all the Mary worshipers. I feel bad for my in-laws. They really are probably like, yep, yep, he's a worshiper. <laughs> and it's very heavy, but every good deed I do literally gets given to the hands of Mary. If your children go to public school and they're being bullied by their teacher because their teacher knows they're religious, wear the miraculous medal. Spread the miraculous medal. Conversion, sanctification are acts of grace. When you give somebody the miraculous medal, when you convince them to wear the miraculous medal, you're, convin- you're, you're opening up. You're opening up a crack. I like to think of this medal, as Father mentioned earlier, as a mini gospel. The sorrowful mysteries, the glorious mysteries. It's from the proto-evangelium all the way to the foot of the cross. We read in the Gospel of St. Luke that the faith is like a seed. 
And sometimes the seed gets washed away. Sometimes it gets choked out. Sometimes the birds of the air come and steal that seed. If that's true, the Blessed Mother is like a gardener with a broom and a rake, and she's constantly whacking those stinking birds out of the sky. She's making sure that the seed of faith is not being lost. Why? Because I'm carrying it near and dear to my heart. Buy miraculous medals, give miraculous medals out, wear the miraculous medal. I should say, none of this is going to work unless you yourself do it. There's a Latin axiom, nimo dat quod non habit. You cannot give what you do not have. If I didn't have a devotion to the miraculous medal, if I didn't have a devotion to the brown scapular, I couldn't come up here and talk to you about it. You have to do these devotions yourself. These are the answers from heaven. Yes, they were scattered throughout history, but they're meant for today. This is Mary's hour. We have a choice. We can go down victorious right away if we come on strong, if we fight hard, if we spend our money, if we give every teenager, every relative we have for Christmas, whatever present you give them, be cunning. Put a medal, put a scapular, put a pamphlet in there with it. There's no harm in that. Make it available. Mary will do the work. She is a winner. She's not a loser. She wins, and she wins big every time, all the time. The next and the most difficult of all of the devotions of Mary is the rosary. And that's why there is no devotion that has so many promises, so many graces associated with it. And on that level of Marian consecration, this devotion brings you closer and closer to the foot of the cross. Why? Because this is painful to pray many times. Many times this is dry. Many times this is boring. Many times it's hard to think clearly and you're just forcing yourself. Hail Mary after Hail Mary after Hail Mary. And that's why there are so many promises associated with it. The devil hates this more than any other devotion because it brings you closer to Jesus. It brings you closer to Mary. Mary crushes his head. We find out about that from sacred scripture. We're repeating the words that he hates the most. Hail Mary, Hail Mary, Hail Mary, Hail Mary, over and over and over again. If you can convince a, a young person or any person to pray the rosary, not only have you won a soul, you've won a new apostle. Mary will use that individual. When I talk to teenagers about the rosary, what do I do? I pull out my spiritual knife from my pocket and I stab them in the heart. What do I mean by that? My friends, what are your life goals? What are the longings of your heart? What do you want when you grow older? Every teenage girl, every young man will say, I want a beautiful spouse. If they're being honest, these are the longings of the human heart. You can't help it. I want a beautiful spouse. I want a good family. I want a nice house. I want a good job. I want to live a happy life. Good luck. If you don't have Jesus and Mary in your life, you're going to be divorced. You're going to die a bitter, angry person. This is not me startling or scaring. This is the truth. If you don't have God in your life, you're going to be addicted to pornography. It's normal, natural for you to want the opposite sex. And you had it so readily available, how are you going to be able to say no without the help of God? You're being assaulted by Satan, and you're trying to beat him by your own willpower, and you don't even last three hours after you go to confession. And they're like, dang it, he's telling the truth. I know it. You women, you can't help it. You can't help but look dressed sexy because you want people's attention. That's not going to make you happy. And then we talk about the various ways that the devil can assault them. That they're getting temptations daily from the world. And we all are too. Every time we turn on the television, we're getting assaulted by the world. Even without that, we're being assaulted by our own flesh. Add on top of that, diabolical temptations. These are This is normal catechesis. We should not be afraid to say it. And that 
opens their mind. I need the rosary. I need help. I am going to hell by this standard. Maybe not right away, but you've planted the seed. And then what I would normally do is I give them, and I recommend you investing in these, the 15 promises of the Virgin Mary. And you could just go through them one by one, making examples, either from your own life or from the lives of the saints. I'll give you a couple of them. This is why we should be promoting the rosary. I promise my special protection and the greatest graces to all of those who shall recite the rosary. Special protection, what do you mean by that? Like St. John Paul II when he was shot on May 13th, 1981. He said he knew he was going to live because although one finger pulled the trigger, another finger was guiding the bullets. Special protection. And I could go through this whole list. This is why we need to promote it in our culture today. The rosary will cause virtue and good works to flourish. It will obtain for souls the abundant mercy of God. It will withdraw the hearts of men from the love of the world and its vanities and will lift them to the desire for eternal things. My heart was in the world. I am nothing but a vain and weak man. But Mary's changing me and she can change anybody because all of our hearts are the same but we have to promote the rosary. We must not let the rosary cease from being prayed every single day. And every week we need to promote the rosary. Every month we need to promote the rosary. Every day is the feast of the rosary. Every month is the rosary. St. Louis de Montfort says that preaching the rosary one time will do better than a month, a year's worth of homilies. Why? Habits, habits, habits. We are only as holy as our habits. If you can convince somebody to meditate on the life of Jesus Christ for 20 minutes a day, to pray the Hail Mary every single day, that person is changed. Rain or shine, they're going to forget all of our words. They're going to forget all of our teachings. But the habit is built. We are creatures of habit, and if we can build that habit, they will never go back. And now you can say, I'm going to say something very troubling right now. I'm just warning you. Now you might tell me, Gabriel, when I pray the rosary, I'm powerless. I don't experience any miracles. I've been praying the rosary. My children are still falling away. Uh, the abortion clinics around my house are just popping up like they're McDonald's. And I'll say, you're right, your rosary is powerless. And you'll say, what? How could you say that? Because Satan has even infected what the rosary is. The rosary that we're praying right now is for children. Five decades of the rosary, when it was originally introduced, was the children's rosary. And I'll read it to you from St. Louis de Montfort, his book, The Secret of the Rosary. Dear little friends, this is the children. Of course it would be too much to expect you to say the whole 15 mysteries of the rosary, but do at least say five mysteries. What does he recommend for adults? Previous page. And this is a chapter dedicated to sinners. That's me, that's you, that's everybody in this room. He says... We should by all means eagerly crown ourselves with these roses from heaven and recite the entire rosary every day. That is to say, three rosaries each of five decades. All these promises that I was reading, all these 15 promises that were made, they were made for praying the entire rosary. We've been tricked in this 100 years of Satan to only praying and fighting back with a children's rosary. I can assure you, if we fight back full power, he's not going to be able to stand. He's going to be running and crying and fleeing. Also, another quote from St. Louis de Montfort. Believe me, dear brother, if you genuinely wish to attain a high degree of prayer in all honesty and without falling into the illusions of the devil, so common with those who practice mental prayer, 
say the whole rosary every day, or at least five decades of it. So I laugh because I'll teach teenagers the rosary, and they'll say, it's very hard, it's so hard. I say, I know, pray it for two weeks, the hard way, and I'll teach you the easy way to pray one rosary. And they say, okay, 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 I'll try it. Two weeks later, my dear friends, let me teach you the easiest way to pray one rosary. They'll be like praying one rosary is like nothing. And they say, okay, what? tell me, tell me. Pray four. When you, tr- when you try to pray three or four, praying one is easy. Really, I, I prayed, I've already prayed so many rosaries today before this talk. Praying one was like nothing. What you're going to notice is power. Many people, and I'm not saying that this is a cure for depression. I'm not saying that this is a cure for your physical, emotional, sinful inclinations. But the devil is attacking and can attack our human weaknesses. Many of us are naturally, by our temperament, melancholic. Some of us are choleric. Some of us are sanguine. If you know these temperaments, that means either you worry a lot, maybe you have a short temper. The devil has the ability to prick. He's not going to be a monster screaming at you. Just to prick and to prick and to prick and to cause your imagination to run wild. And I have, I'm a melancholic soul. I worry and stress about everything. I, everything, everything. Just ridiculous. And when, you, when I finish my fourth rosary of the day, it's like there's a wall around me. My depression is gone. My anxiety, my fear is gone. I could take on an army if I had to with God, God's strength and Mary's intercession. I've had friends who have been sexually abused throughout their entire life, who then, because of that, naturally suffered from sexual deviations, let's say, that they could not overcome, naturally speaking. They prayed one rosary. They, they were able to fight it off a little. When they started praying three or four rosaries, it's like a prick, they say. It, it is where you're going to find these promises. And some people might argue and say, Gabriel, that only says three rosaries. You're trying to get me to pray four. I saw how you slipped and you started with three and then you went to four. You're right. I'm very sneaky. Okay, let me go through a couple of saints before who prayed three. St. Teresa of Avila prayed three. St. Pius V prayed three. St. Charles Borromeo prayed three. Uh, St. Francis Xavier prayed three. St. Ignatius of Loyola prayed three. St. Francis Borgia prayed three. St. John the Twenty-Third prayed three. Do you want to be greater than all of those saints? Then pray four. It's so easy. You'll be canonized in but the, ten days after you're dead if you pray four. But for real, it, and traditionalist people, and I understand their argument, they'll say, yeah, but John Paul II added those. Maybe we're living in a time worse than those previous saints. Maybe we're living in a time where we have to meditate upon the wedding feast at Cana because we have two men and three men and four men who want to get married. Maybe we need to meditate upon the institution of the Eucharist daily because we have places where the Eucharist is desecrated daily. We need this. We need this. And finally, I wrap up with this. Co-redemption, Mary's mediation, evangelization are all spiritual acts. They are all a share in the one victimhood of Jesus Christ. We are all called to Marian co-redemption. For many people, everybody's going to suffer and die, but like myself, I'm a young guy. I am not suffering too bad yet. My victimhood is praying this thing. My victimhood is the rosary where I mentally keep Mary company at the foot of the cross. Your victimhood can be praying many rosaries a day. It can be buying scapulars and miraculous medals. 
your victimhood might be very painful and very physically suffering and tormenting everything you need to give it to mary it's not going to be wasted we need all the spiritual ammunition that we can get god bless you and god love you thank you for your time